Hey everybody, Josh Sigurdsson of World Alternative Media here, and we're joined by Kirk Elliott, PhD. We've had him on our show many times before. Always happy to have you, sir. And by the way, I urge people that are watching to check that link in the description, kirkelliottphd.com slash wham, that's W-A-M. You get a whole bunch of free special reports and you could sign up and, and, and get a call with Kirk. You could get into gold IRAs, you could get physical gold, you can get a lot. Uh, of course, it's important in the face of what we're about to talk to today, uh, talk about today, that we get prepared. We have so much in front of us that we need to be prepared for. So let's actually just get straight into that, uh, Kirk. This this morning we got news from the Federal Reserve that they did a stress test on the banks, and uh, they said they faced five hundred forty one billion dollars in losses in adverse scenarios, but. Uh, they said that the the banks passed the test. And in fact, they even said, and I quote, today's results confirm that the banking system remains strong and resilient. Uh, half a trillion dollars in losses. It sounds real resilient. Kirk, can you kind of go into what all of this means? Because it feels like something big is happening. It, it, it really does. So prior to the stress test of $541 billion of losses, which they claim that they can actually overcome, um, was January through April. Um, there's over about $500 billion of deposits that left the banking system. Mm -hmm. So the M2 money supply shrunk by half a trillion dollars. See, to me, they're, they're pulling cash out of the system in preparation for a digital currency. This is what I think is happening. So you add that up, plus an additional $500 billion stress test. You know, it's like, that's over a trillion dollars leaving the banking system. It's simply not there. Yeah. I mean, li literally, it, it's it's simply not there. When and when you look at the the FDIC, for example, so they have after Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank and some of those other ones, they probably have slightly less than a hundred billion in assets because they had a hundred and twenty-five billion before all of that, right? So they had to bail things out. But you look at the number of assets in banking deposits nationwide. 17 trillion so they only have 0.7 percent of all deposits covered so i don't know how in the world they could actually pass a stress test with those numbers right but but it gets a little bit more squirrely so look what happened to the markets when when you had silicon valley bank signature bank silvergate bank credit swiss in europe and then first republic bank um kind of hit the skids and go into fdic receivership it put the financial markets in turmoil. Two weeks ago, Weiss Research came out with their new um, kind of updates for the quarter. Mm -hmm. 4,243 banks are on the verge of failure. That's a little bit bigger than five, right? So, yeah. so imagine if those economists at Weiss Research, which are really good, I mean, they're, they're truly brilliant economists, what if they're the biggest dunces in the planet, right? And they're 99% wrong. That's still 43 banks that fail, right? So that's still greater than five. And and so I think that would be an upheaval like nothing that we've ever seen. And you add to that the news that came out yesterday about possibly the biggest bank bailout in the history of the world, mm -hmm. which is not even a regular bank. It's a central bank. The Bundesbank of Germany um, on the verge of, of failure because after all of the bond buying program since 2015, leading up to COVID, then it got worse, right? 
they don't have enough assets to actually cover their interest payments. They don't have enough assets to cover the bonds. Let so if if a central bank is going to have to get bailed out, who who's going to bail that out? It's more of like a bailout masked as a bail-in because it's the taxpayers that are going to have to bail that one out because that's the bank of the country, right? So, well, and so- last time I checked, Germany's GDP is like three point two trillion dollars. Um, if we're talking on a scale this large, it would have to be a bail-in. There's no way that they could possibly do a bailout with with something as 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 intense as this. Yeah, there's there's no way. There's absolutely no way. So you start to look at what's what's happening here, and and we're starting to see some some really weird and ominous decisions being made by people who aren't elected officials, mm-hmm. right? Like people who just have jobs at the Bank of International Settlements, at the IMF, at the World Economic Forum, at the right. at the World Bank, right? So the United Nations. So last, or actually, it was earlier this week. <laughs> Um, the United Nations is meeting in in China, some some city in China. Like, so what did they say? So listen to what UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres said about his vision for the future. He said, we have our common agenda. It's like, all right, don't use the word our so flippantly. This is not yeah. my own agenda, yeah. it's yours, right? But but what they're wanting to do is planning digital ID linked to bank accounts. See, they're using all of these problems and all this greed and corruption and bank failures and feeding on people's fear into saying, we've got a system that's going to fix it all. Well, Kirk, you know, you're mentioning something that is kind of grouped in with several other announcements in the last week. I mean, the IMF also called for um, a global digital currency. JP Morgan came out with their coin. Well, their coin is now also denominated in euros. And all the while, we have uh, Emmanuel Macron, the president in France, is calling for an international tax to finance uh, the climate agenda, which then would have to be somehow linked into this, I'm guessing, global ID system um, that's linked to bank accounts because there's no way that everyone is just going to willy-nilly give away half their money to finance things that aren't in their interest. Yeah, absolutely. And so, but but they're they're changing how money is is viewed, mm-hmm. right? So they're they're actually not just changing the system, changing what they want to do with it. They're changing the definition of money. So I think we should go through a brief little timeline of history over the last sure. year and a half, right? Because it, it will explain a lot. So this all started in, in March of, of last year when, when Biden passed Executive Order 14067, made central bank digital currency a thing in America, right? Mm-hmm. Two months after that, Dr. Pippa Malmgren at the World Government Forum in Abu Dhabi, she's the World Economic Forum chief economist, you know, their mouthpiece, said, central bank digital currency is upon us. This is before central bank digital currency was even a common word, right? She said, it's yeah. right here. It's programmable money. It's attached to your digital social profile, your ESG, your social credit score. And if we don't like how you're spending your money, we'll cut you off from buying or selling. People were freaking out. It's like, this sounds like the mark of the beast. This is wild, right? So then, and it probably is, right? Because now you fast forward to March of, of this year, March 15th, the Federal Reserve came out with their Board of Governors memorandum that said, we're going to release the FedNow app on April 1st, four big international money center banks like HSBC and Wells Fargo and a couple others are going to start beta testing it to their customers, but for full release July 18th, which is two months away, 
or no, it's like two weeks away at this point, yeah. but two months away down there back then. So we're two weeks away from full implementation, not of the system being developed and fully deployed, but of marketing to every single one of their bank customers, which is going to increase the speed of deployment and increase that because instead of just four banks, it's all banks, small, yeah. medium, large, and credit unions. Now, go back to two weeks ago, um, the Bank of International Settlements. You can go You can go to their website, Look, go to the Bank of International Settlements, type in two words, Project Icebreaker and Project Aurora, both BIS projects. What is Project Icebreaker? It's a way to stop bank wires from going to bank to bank if the use of the funds doesn't comply with their ideology. That's mm -hmm. their words, not mine. Project Aurora is actually even more devious because that is a system where they want in real time to monitor every transaction of every person, every company, at every bank, in every country. Okay, so let's add all this together and then add this to the United Nations planning a digital ID, right? So, so why do they want a digital ID? Here's their exact words from the UN Secretary General. Linked with bank or mobile money accounts can improve the delivery of social protection coverage and to serve better reach eligible beneficiaries. Who are the eligible beneficiaries? Look at the audience here where they're talking about every person with a bank account. Yeah. What's social protection coverage? Okay, this needs an explanation. So let's say that you donated, say that, that Josh donated to President Trump's campaign. And they say, this President Trump guy, he, he, he doesn't, he's not in it for the global social good for everybody in the world. We therefore need to implement social protection coverages. So we're going to block that donation. We're just going to disallow it. It can't happen. He never gets the money. What if Dr. Kirk is driving around in a big gas guzzling truck that only gets seven miles per gallon? They're going to say, Dr. Kirk doesn't believe in, in cleaning up the environment. He's he's doesn't care about the rest of humanity. His carbon footprint's too big. Therefore, we're not going to allow him to buy gas. We need to implement social protection coverage against him because he's ruining the world, right? Or you could do, what if you donate to a church, tithe to your church? What if, what if, what if, what if, right? If they don't match, it doesn't match their ideology, they can cut you off from buying or selling, which actually matches up with Dr. Pippa Malmgren's statement of its programmable money tied to your social credit score. All of this is adding up. So- Here's, or you can, you can. Well, I, I just want to inter interject for a moment because there was a news story that came out just days ago, um, footage out of China where people were going to gas stations and having to show their face, facial recognition attached to their uh, social credit score in order to get gas. And if it was too low, they were denied fuel. And I just got back from Oxford, England, where they are developing the 15 minute cities. And I, I watched a lot of these signs start getting put up, these cameras, facial recognition cameras, license plate readers everywhere. And it, it's very clear that it's going in the same direction as we see in China. So you mentioned, you know, uh, uh, you go to the gas station and maybe your carbon credit score is too low, you can't get gas. And that is becoming a very common reality worldwide. I mean, 
you talk about um, uh, the things that could happen to an individual. We're already seeing that with ESG scores on corporations with, you know, the social good, whatever that means, even if 99% of people disagree with it. So it seems like it's tightening up around us real fast. And it, it feels it's scary. It's like watching a tower of Babel get built and no one seems to want to shout and say, Hey, stop building that We're you know, this is going to end badly. Right. Well, so what you just said is so appropriate for, this next statement that I then want to make. So this weekend, so a few days ago, I was I was doing some reading and and Martin Weiss at, at Weiss Ratings had actually kind of in an article he wrote, it's like he said something, it's like, I gotta go check this out. Mm -hmm. So I went to the Federal Register, which is where all laws are posted, right? So 2019, it was actually the first time that the the FedNow app was actually, they called the FedNow coin at the time, was written into legislation. Mm -hmm. Read the whole text, 93 pages of nonsense, right? So on, when you have a PDF, you can do a find and replace. So I typed in the word control. It's like, I want to see how many times the word control is in here. Every single page, sometimes multiple times per page, the word control is in there. So A, this has nothing to do with fixing anything. It has everything to do with controlling people. But when you have a Federal Reserve basically decree or law that's written they they provide comments by the board of governors or or authors that that actually authored the program or economists that advised the board of governors so in the comments section of this law there's a gentleman by the name of william michael cunningham he's he's an economist and author university professor blah 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 so he's talking about this law right so and he talks about what money is and he made a really eerie statement, um, which is part of this FedNow app. So he said the main economic attributes of a technically effective currency rests on three functions. Currency is a unit of account, a store of value, and a medium of exchange. That's all that a currency is. It's all it ever has been. It has an amount to it, 20 bucks, $20 bill, $5 bill, a store of value. So you hold a $5 bill in your pocket, hopefully without inflation, it's still worth $5 when you use it. And a medium of exchange, you trade it back and forth for goods or services, right? right? That's all that a currency is. They added a fourth definition to currency in this act. There's a fourth function of money. This isn't an exact quote, I'm just reading it. As a means of social control. So the centralized monopoly over the functions of money held by sovereign governments and central banks has generated great income and wealth imbalances. Listen to some of these keywords that stick out. Um, wealth imbalances, right? Concern about a lack of central bank performance with respect to financial inclusion, income inequality, economic system stability, and the tendency of central banks to intermediate on behalf of large financial institutions. So, so what are they saying? They're saying we can control the use of money to provide more, more social justice programs to control people's use of funds so there's no income inequality around the world, right? So this is where they're gonna use money as social control, which then dovetails with the Bank of International Settlements Project Icebreaker that says, if it doesn't match up with our ideology, we're not gonna let our bank wire, which yeah. dovetails with Dr. Pippa Malmgren's statement saying this is programmable money if it doesn't match up with your ES, RESGs, social credit score, all of that. Oh boy. But then Project Aurora, it's like, how are they going to monitor all this in real time with every single transaction 
So, so if you, you really want to control a people, you control what they spend their money on, how they can buy or sell, then you can control a populace, right? But who would want that? If I were to come to you, let's say I'm the main marketer for the Federal Reserve and say, hey, Josh, if I got a deal for you, we're, we're a government run digital bank with the ability to cut you off from buying or selling. If we don't like you, you, you want in? It's like, <laughs> no. It's like, are you joking? But this is what they're selling, yeah. right? So. How do you get people then to say yes to something that's that awful? Yeah. You break their system so bad that they'll give up their freedoms in exchange for it, right? So, so this is, I believe, what's happening right underneath our nose right now. And this isn't some kind of a Hunger Games dystopian movie. This is happening starting July 18th. Well, when you add to that, the digital IDs that are biometric identification tied to your bank account that the UN wants for everybody. So let me decipher that. What kind of a digital ID? Maybe your driver's license, maybe your passport, that they'll know where you are at any given moment, what you're spending your money on, what your interests are, because what you spend your money on shows you what you value and they can cut you off, right? So they wanna implement that by September of 2024. So I look at these these bookend dates, right? July 18th to September 2024, I would bet if I'm a betting man, which I'm not, but I would say we're probably going to get a big change in the banking system sometime over the next 13 months. Mm -hmm. It's it's absolutely fascinating. By the way, you'd be an absolutely awful marketer for the Federal Reserve. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I mean, you know what you're saying is, and it's all adding up because we're already seeing this across the board in places like the UK um, where they have their CBDC uh, coming out, I believe next year. They've already announced with smart meters that they'll determine, you know, based on how much gas, electricity, water people use, um, you know, certain credits that they could get, like they could get free money, which I'll just call credits for now because basically that's what it is. Um, they get free money if you um, don't use electricity over a certain period of hours and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, they already have license plate readers everywhere that charge you straight to your bank account in the UK. If you're driving in parts of London or if you're driving in parts of Cambridge or Oxford, it's already happening. And, and you know, it all it takes is plugging those two things in and connecting them and boom, we're off to a really bad start for the next um, few years going into this central bank digital currency system. Um, as I always say to everyone watching, you know, we have solutions and we have links in the description. Uh, of course, we have kirkelliottphd.com slash wham. I'll urge people once again to go check that out and become a client of Kirk's and, and get involved and save yourself from what's happening. I have one more question, Kirk, before we get going, and that is, we have Janet Yellen um, saying on one hand that the um, economy is doing great. And then on the other hand, she's also making statements recently, such as um, the U.S. dollar will slowly lose its reserve status over the, the next few years, which is a massive statement for the former head of the Fed and, of course, Treasury Secretary. Meanwhile, Jerome Powell is saying, no, there's no issues there. Don't worry about it. Well, so when you bring up, you know, the IMF's digital currency system and their ID and all that, um, I've always seen like I don't see them as real big competitors with BRICS as much as uh, people might like to think, because a lot of the members of the IMF are moving into the BRICS system right now. Um, you know, from the SDR, as 
potentially a world reserve currency system that's digital combined together to potentially, you know, a BRICS world reserve currency system. How will that work out with, you know, Fed now and the IMF's global currency and BRICS global currency? Are we just going to see them kind of all amalgamate into one, one system of um, financial governance, or are we going to see an actual competition between globalist, you know, worldwide uh, digital currencies? I think we're going to see a fake competition, um, kind of like we did with the negotiations for the debt ceiling. Right. right? When McCarthy and Biden were going at it and saying, oh, I, I'm never going to negotiate. And then McCarthy says, well, well, we're, we're not going to we're never going to raise the debt ceiling. We're not going to mortgage America's financial future. What did they do? They did the worst thing ever. Yeah. They basically took ceiling off the word debt ceiling and they forgot to negotiate the root word of negotiation. Right. They. Yeah. You just said, okay, unlimited spending until the election. It's like, okay, stupid. Now that we're going to have really a lot of inflation. So so what's happening is the, the IMF actually came out with their central bank digital currency called the UMU or the Unicoin. Yeah. That's what it's called. So that's like the umbrella of all central bank digital currencies that all others are going to start beating into, right? So, and you're right that you've got most of the these countries are part of the BRICS nations. So what I've noticed is, and just like politicians, like don't don't listen to what they say, watch what they do, right? Yeah. So so same thing here. So you've got the BRICS nations, Russia, since the year 2010 has bought 1600 tons of gold. China's bought a thousand tons of gold. Turkey, 400 tons of gold. Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, and, and India, all over 200 tons of gold. It's like, wait a second. I thought they're poo-pooing gold, like this ancient relic that nobody should ever buy, but yet they're buying it not by the ounce or by the pound or by the ton, but by the hundreds or thousands of tons. Yeah, so I mean, uh, sorry to cut you off, but we just looked at a story uh, two days ago. United Arab Emirates buys 75 tons of physical gold from Russia as U.S. dollar loses grip on world reserve currency status. We're seeing a lot of repatriation happening as well from a lot of major countries. A, a lot. And so when you start to look at that, that tells the truth. What mm -hmm. they're saying does not tell the truth. So it tells us one of two things at this point. We don't really know what the real answer is, but they both have one common thread. Number one, the BRICS nations are trying to have everybody go into their system because once you're into a system, they control the purse strings, you're not getting out, mm -hmm. right? It's like that door on a scary movie. It's like, don't, don't go in that door. Yeah. Don't chainsaw back there, right? Don't go in it. But yet this is like, don't go into their system. But they're dangling this carrot of gold-backed central bank digital currency to entice people in which right. tells us one thing, people like transparency, like accountability, they like gold, they like something that's real. Or maybe they're seeing this counter trend that's starting to develop that central bank digital currency, not everybody likes it, mm -hmm. right? So they still wanna be the world's reserve currency, but if CBDCs don't last, they're backing up their own currency with mountains of gold, right? And they're also reeling people in that are worried about the CBDC. They see, oh, well, I like gold, so maybe this isn't so bad. We should go back to a gold standard. And they don't understand the issue of issuing too many IOUs versus the amount of gold they have and all that kind of stuff. But right. it is a good way to reel a lot of people in that are worried about CBDCs. It, it is. And so why might they be scared, right? If they're controlling all this thing, why might they be scared? I think they underestimate the will of the people, right? So you look at what's happened over the last three weeks. 
Ron DeSantis in Florida said, there's no way we're taking CBDCs in the state passed legislation that said such, they're, so they're not going to take it. Arkansas basically passed a state bill that said, we will view gold as legal tender in this state. That matches up with Utah, Wyoming, and Oklahoma that already have. In Texas, you've got a pending state legislation that wants to make a state-chartered central bank backed by gold, and Alaska followed suit. So you've got all these, these states. Now, internationally, Hong Kong told China and the BRICS nations, we're not going to recognize the BRICS central bank digital currency, period. So you've got all this groundswell of oppositional support, right? Mm -hmm. if, if what you could call it that, of people who are banding together to say, no, this federal system, this globalist system of complete people control, we're going to do something else. So now you're starting to see this, this alternative structure, alternative currency system almost establish itself. And here's what's really cool about that is what is the common thread? It's gold. Watch what they do, not what they say, right? So you've got states that are now going that route. You've got central banks that are going that route. And, and it's like, okay, they might poo-poo it for whatever reason to manipulate the price or whatever because they wanted to buy more. But you know what I want to do? They're doing it for their own safety. They're doing it to protect their own backs, right? Yeah. So I want to do the same. As, as people, we can see what they do, not listen to what they say, and start doing the same to really protect and preserve. Well, speaking about protecting and preserving, uh, as we finish it off, um, again, we have KirkElliottPhD.com slash wham in the description. You can get a bunch of free special reports. Uh, you could get, you know, physical gold IRAs. You could uh, turn over your 401ks, 43Bs, checking savings, brokerage accounts, et cetera. And of course, you could get physical gold as well. Uh, I want you to kind of go into, you know, in the face of these central bank digital currencies, why it's so important for someone to just go over to that site and sign up their name, email number and schedule a call with you. Because it seems like, you know, the time to get prepared was yesterday. It, it, we should still be doing it today, obviously, but it, it was yesterday and not definitely not tomorrow. Um, what do you think? Why is it so important for people to get on that today? Well, because we're seeing banks fail, right? A, you should get not have too much money in the banking system. Right. You never know when yours is going to be the next one that fails. So when, when to me, silver is like a de facto currency, right? If you needed to sell it, we just make a 45 second phone call to the depository wire funds into your account in four or five days. So it's liquid. It's about four or five days liquid, but we don't know if your bank is one of those 4,243 that are possibly one of the next two. It probably under. is. It probably it is. probably mm -hmm. is. That's a lot of banks, right? Yeah. So, so then also you just look at the growth, right? So, so I'm looking at the trend and people say, Kirk, you know, the stocks are up right now and, and silver hasn't done anything. It's like, okay, you're, you're looking at it not long enough, right? Is silver lower than it was a week ago? Yes, it is. It's a buying opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. But look at where it was three years ago, $11.91 an ounce. Today, it's 23. Look at where it was six months ago, $17.97 an ounce. Today, it's 23. That's, that's up over 40% in six months. Mm -hmm. Look at where it was five weeks ago. We're up about 20% in five weeks. So, so anybody can say, well, it was higher when I bought it and now it's lower this week. It's like, that's a weak time, but look at the trend and look at the trend of the stock market. Last year, the stock market was down 30%. 
So all I'm saying is when something is fundamentally strong and solid and going up, get into it as soon as you can. Well, and and sorry to interrupt, Kirk, but, you know, you mentioned something that's really important here. The, you know, the silver market has been played with like a a chew toy by the banks for years. And when the banks go down, um, that that manipulation, that spoofing that we've seen over the years cannot occur to the same extent because they've tried to use it as a major investment, even though it's wealth insurance and saves people from a collision course. So when people are worried about, well, what happens? Silver is not moving as much as I'd like it to be. It's heavily manipulated. If we're talking about a crisis, then yeah, that's that's like pushing a beach ball underwater long enough. It gains pressure and it goes through the roof. But moreover, it's wealth insurance. It could save someone's life versus you know their dollar being worth nothing oh yeah i mean don't don't view silver or gold as as just this growth vehicle right which yeah. it is it is growing of course but view it as your insurance policy against a collapsing currency you know if you look back to the 1920s when when gold and the dollar were interchangeable right we had a currency that was backed by gold 20 dollar bill equaled one ounce of gold that's why the old gold coins say 20 dollars on it right? So, so you look at the purchasing power, what did that buy you back then? It bought you a $20 or one ounce of gold bought you a finely tailored men's suit, a shirt, a tie, a belt and shoot. Fast forward to today, a hundred years later, 20 bucks, can't even go out on a date for 20 bucks, right? But one ounce of gold at almost $2,000 an ounce still gets you a finely tailored men's suit, a shirt, a tie, a belt and shoes, right? It's maintained that purchasing power over the hundred years where the dollar has collapsed so much, you can't even buy a pair of socks with 20 bucks, right? So, so here's where I look at safety. My goal and when I advise people is to minimize risk, maximize return. That's half of the equation, right? It is to, but the other part is to melt away the financial anxiety that's gripping people right now into inaction. Fear is paralyzing them. It's like, you don't have to be afraid. Look at these things that, that Josh and I were talking about today, right? It's like, well, things are growing. This is amazing. We, we were afraid of this mark of the beast system, which, which you know, I believe it is. But it's like, yeah. why are you scared? Well, because if you read Revelation 13, 17, it doesn't say that it's the only game in town. It says, just don't take it. Yeah. See, God is the God of choice. You know, you can choose, if, if you're a believer in Jesus, you can choose Jesus, or you can reject him, or you can choose to sin or not to sin, right? There's benefits and consequences to everything. God is a God of choice. He didn't create robots. Same thing. He wouldn't have put this in Revelation if there were no choice. He puts it there so we can make a wise choice. Now, I'm not saying that it's going to be easy to say no to it, because if all banks are using it, if you need to get social security payments and the government's saying you have to use the Fed now app, what are you going to do? moral ethical dilemma, right? I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but there will be a choice. And this is why I think you've got states already that are coming up with systems, alternative currency systems to counteract that, right? Mm -hmm. So here's where we can have a smile on our face because there is protection, there is provision, there is something we can do. And for me, looking at it right now, Gold and silver make the most sense because you can use it for barter in a worst case scenario, but outside of a worst case scenario, let's not even go to that road. It's just been performing well over the last three years, over the last six months, over the last five weeks, right? So, So that's what I look at. Well, I'm really glad that you brought up revelations and, and you're right. I mean, it's, 
it's not going to be easy. It's not supposed to be easy. It never was supposed to be easy, but it can be easier if people are actually prepared and know what's coming and, 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 you know, put their protections in place so that they don't end up underwater later on. Because of course, uh, you know, at the end of the day, if people are dependent on a system that is built in the face of evil and people are, you know, they'd like the convenience of it and take no precautions to actually protect themselves against it when inevitably it falls down, then, you know, uh, even the smartest people out there that know all about the economy, know all about, you know, uh, the, the way this world is being built against us today, it doesn't matter how smart you are if you've done nothing for yourself to actually prepare yourself and your family. We could complain all day, but when we put solutions on the table, some people just don't want to, you know, actually do anything about those solutions. They prefer to be angry, and that's fine. Everyone could do whatever they want. But in the face of what we're dealing with right now, the so-called Great Reset, and we are witnessing one of the biggest resets of the financial his, uh, system in modern history, without a doubt. And it is what we're dealing with straight out of revelations. And, you know, people can... Uh, disbelieve or not, but at least be overly prepared rather than underprepared. That's a worst case scenario and it still benefits you long-term. So everyone watching today, I urge you as always, go to that link in the description. It, it takes two seconds to fill out the little sheet, um, sign up for a, a phone call and you know just do what you can today to protect yourself tomorrow because this isn't about making a whole bunch of money though if you want to make money in a system that um when it when it collapses there are opportunities because the the solutions are often going to rise up way above any of the things that you know got wiped out in the downfall but it's more about you know protecting yourself protecting your humanity um you know there's a few things that they them those don't like it's God, family, faith, um, freedom, all these things that they despise, we should be moving further towards. So anyways, I really appreciate you uh, coming on as always, uh, Kirk, and I, I hope people go to that link and sign up for a call today. Um, I'm looking forward to talking with you soon. You have a lot of insight on way too many things to, to count, so I appreciate it. It's my pleasure. You have an awesome weekend, and we'll talk to you soon.